Hi, it's Lorena, and this is Be Busy, Be an Awesome podcast. Hi, guys, this is Lorena Costa, and today uh, in my podcast, we have a special guest. His name is Manny Garcia. Manny Garcia, it's, uh, I meet Manny Garcia when I entered to work two years ago, and I discovered that he's a really nice person, a really a humble guy, um, a guy who has developed his leadership skills through personal, um, uh, um, personal experience, I may say. I mean, he went through from having all his family together to be a kidnapped child when he was in a very young age. And fortunately, he discovered that he was uh, kidnapped while he was in the school, and he found his picture in a carton milk. So Manny is here with us today at, at the podcast, and he's going to share with us all his experience. Hi, Manny. How are you today? Hello, hello. Thank you, Lorena. I appreciate it. Excited to be here with you today. Sure, it's my pleasure. So tell us, Manny, what, what happened? In, you know, short, short story. Uh, what happened? Why you left Puerto Rico and moved to New York? So okay, um, let's see here. So it all started when I was about four and a half years old. My uh -huh. uh, my sister, my middle sister at the time, um, she was walking down a sidewalk with a friend. They got out of school early one day. And she heard some screeching of tires. And when she looked, it was a car that lost controls coming straight at her and her and her friend. So my sister pushed her friend out of the way. And when she pushed the sister, her friend out of the way, the bumper of the car hit her arm against a, a big steel utility box. And, and her, she lost her arm that day. <sighs> so, um, you know, everybody was in the hospital with my sister for a couple of days. And how old was your sister? So she was 11 when that happened. Okay. Yeah, she was 11. I was about five years old, something like that. Mm -hmm. Four and a half, five years old. And... Um, so if we re rewind before that, my parents were actually married. You know, we were one one big family, like you said, living here in Orlando. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a divorce that took place. It was a separation that took place because of, of the way my dad was treating the girls. He was very obsessed with music. Uh, he was a brilliant musician, one of the smartest men that I've ever met. And he really wanted to kind of force that upon, upon my two older sisters at the time. So that's why the divorce took place. Um, and he didn't take well to the separation. So when they got separated, uh, my dad was, um, uh, you know, very aggressive. He would show up to my aunt's house at the time in Puerto Rico, which is where we were living. And he would scrape machetes on the ground and tell what? everybody we're going to kill everybody. And they would have to call the cops. The cops would come. But in Puerto Rico, everybody walks around with a machete, right? So it's just like, okay, you got to go. You know, it's not like you're walking around <laughs> with a weapon or anything like that, you know? <laughs> so, you know, uh, everybody forgot about my dad in mm -hmm. the process of having to take care of my sister in the hospital. And my dad showed up one day and he said, hey, listen, you know, I want to. I want to take Manny for breakfast. I'm going to take him to McDonald's. Uh, you know, let me do that. And, you know, telling my mom, you just take care of uh, take care of Mimi, which is my sister's name. So they were like, okay, okay, that's fine. And that was the last time they saw me. Now, to me, you know, I didn't think I was kidnapped, right? It was just my dad. You know, we went to, to have breakfast at McDonald's in Puerto Rico one morning. And from there, he said, hey, do you remember Disney? Do you want to go see Mickey Mouse again? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm a kid. I'm five years old, right? Four and a half, five years old. And he's like, uh, why don't we go? Why don't we go? see Mickey Mouse. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then I said, well, what about mom? What about my sisters? Oh, I'll bring you back tomorrow. So, you know, obviously he's my dad. I'm like, let's do it. You know, so we, so we left Puerto Rico the very next day and we went to Miami, stayed in Miami for a couple of days. Uh, and then from Miami went to Orlando and 
he showed me Disney and Mickey Mouse and all those type of things. And one day led to the next day, led to the next day. And I would always ask about my mom and my sisters. And he's like, oh, no, you know, they're taking care of your sister right now. Boys with the boys, girl with the girls, that type of thing. And my relationship with my dad was actually pretty good up until I was about nine years old uh, when I got introduced the piano. And we were living in New York City. I was going to a school there called St. Gabriel's Catholic School. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one particular day where we were eating lunch. It was uh, I, one of my buddies, his name was Patrick. It was Irish, I remember, because we, we would get all excited with St. Patrick's Day. And we're eating lunch. And when we're eating lunch, um, you know, we, I was kind of looking at the, I, at a milk carton, and there was this little girl on it, right? It's a little girl on it. She was missing everything like that. I remember looking at it, and he taps on my shoulder, and he's like, hey, Manny, look, there's a kid on my, on my milk carton that looks like you. And I said, what are you talking about? So I look, I look over. And uh, there I am. It's a picture of me when I was about four and a half years old. And it said Manuel Garcia Jr. And it said missing. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand what that meant. What was that? Fe- what was the feeling that you, what was your reaction, internal reaction? I mean, you saw the picture, you say, oh my God, what, what went through your mind at that, at that moment? I thought I did something bad. Like, I thought it was my fault. Like, I didn't understand it. I, I didn't understand why, why I was on a milk carton. I didn't see myself as a missing kid, right? Like, I didn't understand. How you can weren't I be, missing. How can I be missing? I'm with my dad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was a bit shocked. And, and I remember everything kind of was slow motion. And we finished our, our, our lunch. And he went off to throw his stuff in the trash. And I reached into the trash. And I, and I took the little milk carton. And I put it in, folded it, put it in my pocket. And then that, that night when my dad came home from uh, work, I showed it to him I'm like, dad, I think I did. I did. I think I did something bad. I think I'm in trouble. And he's like, what do you mean? And his eyes got really big because he would, you know, when he got aggressive, he got really aggressive. And then I showed him the milk carton and, and he was just like, uh, okay, well, listen, you know, this is nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, this is, this must be a mistake, that type of thing. Just go to bed, relax. And the very next day we took off back to Miami. So we were always kind of like running around, you know, when I was growing up. So there was a lot of, um, So he was hiding you. Oh yeah, definitely. No. Definitely, so right yeah. after you find out that you were missing, yeah, that your mother was looking for you. I I, I can only imagine what your mother went through. I mean, yeah. as a mother, right now, if somebody taking my daughter away from me, I will be. I, I don't know. I mean, I will go crazy. Yeah, my mom. She she did lose herself for a few years. She was on uh, she was on all kinds of antidepressants, dealing with obviously the loss of my sister's arm, and then having to deal with all of the stress and depression that my sister went through on top of having to lose me as a, as a son. And then also Mimi, uh, my sister, you know, after we're, we're, we're grownups now, we're back together. You know, she realized that, or she, she felt like she was at fault for my kidnapping. So not only did she have to deal with having to relearn everything by losing an arm in terms of writing and everything like that. Because this is what she hear. You know, right. I, I, this is, this is so good that we're talking about this money because It just not open one subject, but you went through, it opens a lot of subjects as a parents. Because I know right now that many people who's watching this and who is listening to us may have some empathy for what you went through. Mm. But parents sometimes don't realize that what we say out loud to our kids, That's right. you know, it makes them feel, they make them think, and they make them believe something that is not their fault. That's right. That was not your fault. Mm-hmm. That was not your sister's fault, but probably your mom, without intentions, talking about what your father did and taking advantage of what was happening at that moment because of her. Yeah, 
Yeah, had you had you not gotten in an accident, had you lost she your arm, Manny would that, still be here. Yeah, she exactly. took that responsibility on her own and live without karma. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you something briefly. You're just talking about these things and just make me remember what happened when I was five years old. When I was five years old, my parents, my father, you know, used to have farms in Mexico and Veracruz, right? So my father was an attorney and he had ranches. So I remember that we will go every weekend to the ranches because he has to pay the cowboys, he has to go to see the cows and whatever, the limes and the lemons and the orange trees and whatever he was growing in his farm. But I remember that every time we go, we will go in two cars. My father will go in one car with his with his chauffeur and my mother will go with one of us or two with two of the nannies because we always travel with the nannies to the ranches. So we were in, um, in a place that we always stopped by to eat like in a city, right? Mm-hmm. And our way to, from our Mexico City to the ranch, which was, was around four hours away from distance. And for some reason, my father was crossing the street, uh, buying something from a little person over there who was selling, I don't know, candies or seeds or corn. I don't know what he was buying. But my sister, right, my mother leave us with one of the nannies, she was distra- this, She was looking around. My father called my sister. He looked around and he saw that no no cars was passing mm-hmm. by. So he called my sister and said, hey, come. And my sister left. And me, five years old, followed my sister. Mm. So guess what? A truck hit me. Oh. So my mother says that she just saw me flying, you know, because of the hit of the car. And push, pull me over, take me to the doctor immediately. My father took the guy out of the car and put him in jail, you know. And uh, it was not his fault. It was all of their fault because mm-hmm. they didn't take care of me. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to say is that before my sister died, two years ago, uh, I was having dinner with my mom and my daughter in my house. And she she called me and I pick up the phone and, and she says, you know, Lorena, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, yeah, what's going on? I didn't know that she was dying, right? Mm. And she says, do you remember the day that the car hit you when we were going to the ranch with my parents? Yes, I still have the scar in my ear. She's like, well, I just want to ask you for forgiveness because I've been carrying all these years the guilt mm-hmm. that I didn't hold your hand. Yep. And I didn't take you with me when my dad calls me to cross the street. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, because maybe my father and my mother were saying, oh, she crossed the street and she didn't take her sister. Why you call her? My sister listened to that and she grew up with that guilt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was writing yesterday something in a, in, a, in a message that I wrote that guilt is one of the worst sentiments Absolutely. a human being can carry for the rest of their life. Absolutely. So I can feel your pain completely Mm -hmm. and I can feel your sister and I'm so sorry that you went through all these things and I can see you talking because what we're talking, Mm -hmm. this is a very, very delicate subject, you Mm -hmm. know, because we're human beings and we're going through different phases of our life, but how do you become so extraordinary in what you do after what you went through? Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment, right? Um, so I went through some very dark moments. You know, I grew up with, with a father, again, that was a perfectionist, and mm-hmm. I was never good enough, right? So um, 
I, I really hate you saying this. You never were enough for your father. Never, never, no. So anything uh, good that you did, he was, never prized you. He right. never told you you did the right. No. You did good. No, you are, you always, are a you great boy. Done, you could have done better. You could have done this. You know, everything <sighs> Everything was about a trophy. Everything was about, a, was about a prize, right? So he would say, for example, years after playing the piano, I got really good. And I won first place twice in a row here, actually, locally mm -hmm. in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was about, listen, just get first place and then I'll get you whatever you want, you know, but it wasn't like great job. You did good. enough. it was just, I'll get you something. Right. So I grew up with a very materialistic mindset for many years. You know, I, I, I felt like, um, my worth as a human being was attached to material things. Wow. And then that allowed me, that, that led me to a divorce after 13 years. Right. Cause I, I became a workaholic and it was always about the, the next trophy, right. It was a bigger paycheck. It was the bigger title. It was, it was about that type of stuff. And, 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 and I had to do some reflecting to, to, to fix that. Let me ask you something. Now you're talking about what you went through with your father and now you went through divorce. How was your life while you were married? Why you went through divorce? What did you did right? Or what you did wrong that take you to that failing? So, you know, one of the things that I did right is, is I grew up in a lot of poverty, right? So after my father passed away, I was reunited with my mom. They found mm -hmm. me and everything like that. We got reunited. And going back to Puerto Rico was very different. Um, you know, I saw my mom struggle. I saw her cry many, many, many nights uh, because we didn't have enough food or we didn't have enough money for clothing and things of that nature. Um, so one of the things that I told myself growing up is that I never wanted my family to ever experience that, right? So that kind of fueled a fire inside of me to try to develop myself for many years. And in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, again, I was just a workaholic, right? So... I it was producing money. I was making money. Um, That's right. Every, every year there was growth for over a decade. There was every year I was, you know, growing my income, doubling it, tripling, quadrupling it, you know, positions and titles and everything like that. You know, uh, in, in some of the organizations that I worked for, they would call me like their, you know, their, their, their star child, you know, their whatever. Um, so, you know, I was getting all of this acknowledgement, right? I was getting all this growth. I was getting all this recognition from my bosses all and from my pride. peers and all that. So that was a different all experience for me. All the trophies that you never get when That's you right. were a kid. So I became addicted to that feeling, right? And that was like part it. of my fuel for growth. Now that came with the bonus of making a lot of money and progress and, mm -hmm. and, and titles and all that. But it also led me to be further away from the family, right? So growing up, um, I, I, I see myself having done that also a lot with a lot of relationships that I was in too, right? With my friendships or with, with my girlfriends, things of that nature. Like they always almost kind of took like the second, the second seat, right? It was always about me, right? Because I was trying to get the, the next trophy. So in my relationship, obviously, you know, we kind of grew in different directions when I was married for the first time. And, um, you know, I wanted potatoes and she wanted bananas. And, you know, mm -hmm. it got to a point where we realized we're probably better friends than we were husband and wife. And mm -hmm. there was a lot more to it than just that, right? And I see that you have uh, a great relationship with your first wife. Yeah, we do. We have a great friendship. And, and that we do for the kids, mm -hmm. right? We have two beautiful kids together. I and, saw you it. You know, I never wanted them to feel that uh, the divorce had anything to do with them or them to feel the any best type way of to negative impact. That's right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I learned from that whole experience in terms of getting divorced and all that mm -hmm. is that you don't have to really chase the next thing. You know, you can, you can find whatever your passion and your purpose is, and you can just pour yourself into that and you could be very content and have personal growth and fulfillment just doing that. You don't have to, you know, 
kind of reinventing yourself over and over and over if that's not what you really want or if that's not what's really truly bringing you satisfaction and pure happiness you know a lot of the times i caught myself just jumping from one industry to another or trying this or trying that and as an entrepreneur getting into 10 different things at one time without really focusing on developing one and and again i was just looking for that immediate um gratification satisfaction satisfaction, acknowledgement you know now Mm -hmm. what i've learned is you know figure out what you really want in your life Mm -hmm. um and just pour yourself into it the other day i wrote something about buckets i have different buckets in my life today right so i got my family bucket i got my work bucket so when i'm at work i'm at work but then when i come home i'm home i'm with i'm with ethan my son i'm with my wife i'm with my puppy you know we hang out we talk we eat dinner like you know i poured myself into that bucket if i'm gonna go to the gym I pour myself into the gym bucket. You know, I put everything else inside, no distractions, and I give it everything I got for 45 minutes. That's the way to do it. I mean, this is is the right mindset. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I was lucky enough to to have was really good mentors, for sure, 100%. -hmm. I never really got the soft skills that I needed from my father. Um, and I remember growing up saying, number one, I don't ever want to be poor. Right. And, and that kind of has led me in a certain direction. But I also said, I never want to act like my father with my children. Um, at home, there was very little talking. It was a lot of hitting, you know? So if I made mistakes, I got hit. If I, if I did the right thing, the response was you could always do better, you know? Um, so you never get recognized for anything? Not from him. No, not from him. Again, the, the recognition I did get was one year I got a motorcycle, you know, a little dirt bike, you know, I'm, I'm whatever I was, I don't know, 10 years old. And, and I wanted a little Honda dirt bike. And he says, okay, get me first place and get yourself a dirt bike. But it wasn't like, boy, good job. You got first place. Good for you. You know, all your sacrifice and hours of, you know, rehearsal. Uh, let me worked. ask you a question. How, how this affect your life? How, how not being... Because right now everybody's saying that all the millennials, you know, because of the parents, give them trophies and you did a good job and you are a good kid and you will do better, you know. I mean, I disagree with that because my mother is, was an anthropologist, right? And she was always very into us. And she was always like pricing us. Mm-hmm. I'm not a millennial, right? I'm yeah. Generation X. But, but I think that I grew up with a millennial mindset mm-hmm. because my mother was different. And... I grew up with all these things. I grew up with my mom saying, good job. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. And all these little things that some people are missing. And I'm, I'm raising my daughter the same way. And Sarah, mm-hmm. you know Sarah. Is, yeah. She's exceptional in the school mm-hmm. and she's great. And she deserves all whatever I say. But what I want you to know is how those emptiness, uh, words of recognition and all this love that any child needs from their parents make you feel growing up yeah i think what's what uh, what i see today is um a lot of parents are like in balance mm-hmm. right so my dad was one extreme it was it was always about discipline and it was always about uh me not being good enough right mm-hmm. and and I, w- I was very depressed um as a matter of fact i tried taking my life three times Your from childhood the, yes from the time i was nine to to 11. I tried taking my life three times. Now, luckily, I was really bad at that, right? Like, I have a lot of great skills in my life, but killing myself was, was, not, was not a good skill. It was not meant to right. be, Manny. And I know it's kind of funny, here. right? But it's it's the truth, right? Like, I really tried. I'm I tried so I tried with a gun once, and that didn't work. I tried hanging myself, and the belts broke. And the third time, I tried with a knife, and the pain of the knife was so much, I said, you know what? Killing, killing myself is just not for me. But, but I was really depressed. I was really in a really bad spot. I didn't feel love. I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel special. 
Um, so I, I, I felt, I felt growing up that I was better dead than alive. And, and uh, me now looking in retrospect as an adult, I realized that there has to be balance. Um, and I hate saying this, but you know, his death was really my salvation because that's how bad of a spot I was as a child. Um, now when he passed away and then me going back with my mom, then I got, I got all this love, right? Like all this uncontrollable love. It was like a pinata of love, right? It was just like love, 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 right? And because she never really had me, she also didn't know how to parent me, right? So whenever I want to do something, she's like, you know, hey, I'm going to go out with the friends. Okay, yeah, just go do your thing. No problem. Have fun. You know, be safe. You know, if you need anything, practice safe sex, you know, that type of stuff. It was never there was really no discipline. Right. Um, and, and, and that's not what I was looking for either. As a matter of fact, you know, I lived with her for a few years and there was some other issues there in her household with, with, uh, with the man that she was married to at the time. And, and, um, I, I ended up leaving and I ended up living with my aunt. Now my aunt who kind of really has been the mother figure in my life Mm -hmm. is the one that kind of gave me that balance. You know, she would give me the tough love and the discipline but then also the love and the rewards and the recognition and the, and the, and the special feeling of being connected to something bigger than myself. Right. And I was really bitter after my dad passed away. Cause I, I, it got to a point also where I, I, I blamed myself for his death. Um, you know, I, I would think really bad things. Obviously I was trying to take my own life. I would think really bad things about him. Right. And the way that he died in a motorcycle accident was just, was just a really ugly death. Right. And I, and I almost felt like I wished that upon him. So I, I was, I was just in a really bad spot for, for five or six years. And then that's How when, old were you? when he passed away, mm-hmm. I was 11, almost, almost 12. So you were just I was living, a kid. I was living a kid. The, yeah. the child and going to, to the adolescent with yeah. all these baggage. I had, I had anger. I had hatred. I had all kinds of things. And that's where I say mentorship is very important. There was a teacher. You talked about, you know, your mother being an anthropologist. There was a, there was a gentleman that lived about four houses down from my aunt's house. His name was Francisco. Mm -hmm. And he was an astrologer and a teacher in one of the colleges Mm -hmm. there in, in, in town. And he found me walking really angry, you know, one day on the sidewalk. And I was, I was actually in tears. I got really upset about something. Um, I get emotional just thinking about her and not just remembering the moment. And um, he called me over. He's like, hey, Manolito. That was my my name as a, as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Come over here. So I went over and started talking to him. He's like, hey, you know, I, I, I know who you are. You know, I know what, I know who you are. I know what happened to your sister, blasi, blasi, blasi. You know, I was there when your dad took you away. And he's like, I can tell that you're really upset about something. Let's talk. And anyway, um, I started crying for the first time in my life that I just I cried like I've never cried before. And it was just it was just like a release. And then over the course of many months, you know, he would kind of teach me some things and give me some insight about my father that I didn't really see different perspectives. Right. He's like, well, look, if he if he kind of punished you the way that he did, imagine what his upper upbringing was, because I believe he would say that he's trying to do a much better job. Right. And a lot of these little conversations that we had, you know, were seeds that were planted in my, in my mind to say, well, if, if that was an excuse, if my, if the way my dad treated me was supposed to be in his mind better than the way he was treated as a, as a child, then I'm going to go the complete opposite, right? Like I'm I'm not going to, there's going to be no hitting and screaming and yelling in my household. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be a a shadow of my father at all. Like I want to learn how to become the best possible parent. And, um, you know, man, then many years later, you know, I go, I had, had my daughter who saved my life. You know, she, 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 uh, she was the one that kind of like 
put the, the, the notion in my head that I have to grow up. I have to grow up. I have to grow up right now. And I was a punk kid. I was a you know, skinny Puerto Rican, you know, here at that time I was living in Orlando, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd and, and getting into fights and, and doing all that stuff that, you know, you know, crazy adolescents do. And, um, I said, it's I, just I have you to, didn't have, it, it, it's, it's just, you didn't have the strings attached to a family. It was my upbringing was very broken. Yeah. And then so when I realized that Jasmine was going to come into my life, I said, okay, I need to do something about this. And that's when I really started to explore um, personal development books and CDs and libraries and everything like that. You wanted like to that. be different for you. That's right. I remember actually I, there, there was a show that I watched, which was Oprah right back in the day. And they were talking about um, abusive parents, right? Mm -hmm. that, was the, that was the premise of the show. And there was a guy that, that was there that day and he was extremely abusive, ended up arrested a couple different times for, for beating his wife and his, and his daughter. Oh. Right. And I remember him saying, well, the reason that I do what I do is because that's the environment that I grew up, that I grew up of in. Course. And again, I said, you know, that's a poor, that's a poor excuse. There's no excuse to ever treat another human being that way. And, and I remember I never want to be that way. And that resonated for me because I, I was already thinking well, that way based on my dad. So happened, that's where personal development really came into play. Yours was not an addiction. That's right. Uh, when somebody grow up with parents who are addicted to the alcohol or to yeah. the drugs. That's true. My parents weren't addicted to anything you know, like that. Yeah. Um, they going through rehab and going through different scenarios. They can become alcoholics or not mm -hmm. you know, addicted to, to a drug. But your life was completely different. And and tell me something, Manny. I hear that your daughter, I mean, let's change something nice to something. Just get engaged. She did. She just got engaged. She's 25 years old. I'm very, very happy for her. Um, I'm very um, blessed to have her in my life. She is a phenomenal child. Um, you know, she has uh, done so many amazing things. She's getting ready to graduate college with her mm -hmm. bachelor's in um, uh, political science and uh, a minor in business. So yeah, very, very happy uh, for beautiful, her. Beautiful, beautiful. My daughter told me, mom, Jasmine is engaged. And I was like, Cool. She even sent me the picture. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know. So now, Manny, um, with all this baggage, because I call it baggage, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I believe that every human being has baggage in their life. You can have one bag, two bags, three bags, or a backpack, mm -hmm. right? But we all have something. With all this baggage in your life, how do you start taking off one by one out of your bag? And I start moving forward to become who you become. For me, it's clarity, right? Like you really have to get clear w with who you are, who you want to be, mm -hmm. right? And the difference that you want to make and the mm -hmm. legacy that you want to leave behind. It has to be, you have to be crystal clear on it. And then you have to be self-aware. I think that emotional intelligence is so important, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the times there's people out there that don't know that they have these flaws, that they have these chemical imbalances that they produce for themselves. And, you know, they say they want to be one person, but the, then they're another. So you have mm -hmm. to be aware. So you have to have... Clarity on exactly who you want to be and then also have be aware, cognizant of how you're acting. You know, is, are the interactions that you're having in your life, are they getting you closer to the end goal? Or are they getting you further away from it? Right. Um, so I think you just have to pay really close attention to, you know, to all that. And, and it's hard to do. Right. Because if you have flaws, we all have flaws. I'm not perfect by no means. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to swallow that big pill and say, OK, well, listen, I really do have a communication flaw here or I have a character flaw here. And, you know, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to own it. And you have to say, okay, now what am I going to do about this? You know, how do I solve this? How do I fix this? You know, 
Um, and that's where, again, where mentorship comes in, where personal development comes in and, you know, always seeking to improve your interactions, your communication, mm-hmm. growing as mm-hmm. a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's that, that it took a lot for me years, right? Decades, right? It took me, you know, over 10 years to, to, to fix some major issues that I had. And I had to do it because I never wanted my kids to, to be exposed to anything like I was exposed. So you went through a therapy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, counseling, you know, mm-hmm. coaching, you know, I, a lot of books, you know, a lot of work workbooks, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of lot of uh, training programs, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that. And then also you you learn along the way, right? So as you start to develop and as you start to grow and you start mm-hmm. to share those experiences with other people, you learn in the process. Some of the best trainers in the world are people that are training every single day. Of course. Right? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you've been coached? That that I was mm-hmm. that I personally was coached? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I just went to a seminar last November with, and I took my son and I took my wife. You know, so I call that I call that coaching. It doesn't have to be personal coaching, right? It's just coaching, yeah. coaching through an audience, no, coaching through a program, coaching, coaching through a coach. Like you say, you know, I need executive coach. That I need a coaching for this. Or I need, when was the last time? Oh, no, that's, so stuff like that, I I always, I have mentors in my life. Mm -hmm. I have three or four people that I go to on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, and that's two, three times a week. You know, I want somebody that that I want to bounce something off. Hey, I'm thinking this way. You know, how would you look okay. at it? You, you know, I'm looking at it like this. What do you think? What's your opinion? You know, um, at the end of the day, I I'm mean, still going to go. I'm asking you this because I know, that, you know, the level of executive you are. Mm-hmm. And I have so many friends who are coaches, right? So mm-hmm. I just want to know what is the mindset of somebody like you to hire somebody to guide them. I don't have somebody that I pay currently that mm-hmm. that's on payroll that I pay mm-hmm. to coach. I have, I have a nucleus mm-hmm. of amazing people mm-hmm. um, that I've surrounded myself with mm-hmm. that I get the information that I need from. Mm-hmm. Um, but paid coaching, the last paid coaching that I had was maybe about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dealing with something in my life that I really wanted to resolve mm-hmm. and having somebody that was completely unbiased, mm-hmm. somebody that could really... Sometimes works, yeah, right? Oh, no. It, you know, if you have somebody that's good, that yeah. knows what they're doing, it's, yeah. it's invaluable. I know. Um, but for me right now, you know, I'm at a place in my life where I continue to grow and I continue to develop through experiences of really good people in different areas of life, right? Sure. So I got people that I know that are phenomenal relationships, other people that are great at investments, other people that are great in, in terms of health. Um, so, you know, those are people that I just, you know, again, we, we have dialogue on a weekly basis almost, and, you know, we talk about things, and, you know, I'm always picking somebody's brain. I'm always trying to learn, absolutely. Yeah, I'm asking you this because I went through a seminar um, probably last month, and I experienced something that I have never experienced before. I mean, it, she was not coaching me, but she was coaching somebody else during the session. And what she did during that session and helped that person to just cross the line and become who she was and don't be afraid of the things that were holding her back really wakes something on myself that I was afraid to do all my life, and that was to fly. I mean, poor Sarah, you know, she's 15 right now, and I used to pay for an extra ticket every time we go to Disney because I wouldn't even jump on Dumbo. Mm-hmm. I was afraid, <laughs> you know, to even to go on Dumbo. You know, I went one time to the rides, you know, this, the roller coaster for the mm-hmm. little kids in Magic oh Kingdom. Boy. I can see you screaming already. Yes, I have the video. <laughs> one day I'm going to post I'm going to actually, I'm going to give them to him so he can post it now because I'm screaming like crazy. Sarah was five years old. And she was laughing and I was screaming. It was, I wasn't panic. It was a panicking for me. So 
I met somebody, uh, this guy, Mike, uh, is the one that create all the harnesses. So a couple months ago, he sent me a message and told me, Lauren, I'm going to be in a, in a seminar over there in Orlando, but I want to meet you. I want us to go fly in the, in the, in the phone pad. And I was like, whatever, right. I'm not going to do this. You know, we can meet, we can have lunch, drunk drinks, you know, but we're not going to, I'm not going to jump. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I saw like, you posted and you did it. I'm proud of you for I doing it. I did it, yeah. money. Mm -hmm. I did it. And you know what? It was one of the best things that I ever could have ever done from my life. You feel free, don't you, when that happens? Well, you know, I, first of all, the first time that I jumped, I was not afraid because I was with him, to be honest with you. Mike gave me a lot of strength to do it. He Just to know that he was next to me, mm -hmm. that gives me a lot of security. But um, once we went the first time, I was like, okay. And then he's like, I thought that it was finished. And he's like, well, now you're going to do it by yourself. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Are you crazy? He's like, yes, you will. You will do it by yourself. So I went back. Mm -hmm. And I did it by myself. And he told me, just take the time for you to pull the string out and just throw yourself and enjoy that experience rush. Mm -hmm. Because it's only when you are up there when you can have it. Yeah. So... I was there and I was looking at everything and I was thinking, what do I'm doing here? Why I'm putting myself in this situation just to jump? But once I pull it and I let myself go, I knew why. That freedom of just throw yourself to the air, like knowing that you're going to be fine, but knowing that you are nobody. You, in that moment, you just throw yourself, you know, and enjoy the moment mm -hmm. I enjoy the, the air that was facing my face. I enjoy, I hear music that I didn't hear before because I was panicking. Mm -hmm. Right. So I could enjoy the whole ride. And then we did the second ride, which is two people sitting together. And it's a different, uh, uh, flying because the first one you fly and the other second one you falling, mm -hmm. you falling sitting mm -hmm. and then you start yeah. Swinging, you know, it was, it was a good experience. But what, what I'm trying to say is that thank for that person, you know, who really helps me to figure out that we have always things that hold and us back. And if you back. think about it, that's, that's, that is a form of coaching, right? Yeah. This person came into your life, yeah. you know, through whatever techniques or communication yeah. mm -hmm. gave you the strength to say, I'm going to go do this anyway, right? Yeah. And you had a phenomenal experience in the process. Oh because my of God. It. Yes. And you know what? You said something that I think resonates, right? Is, um, because I grew up in an environment where I never felt good enough mm -hmm. for a long period of time, I caught myself never taking action because of being afraid of failing. Right. Because growing up with my dad, if I failed at one of my lessons, I would get beat. Right. Ugh. So there was a lot of times that I missed out on some incredible opportunities because I was afraid of failing. To be and, beat it. I'm sorry? Because you were afraid to be hit to, by your to, father. To, well, no, no, I'm just talking about even after he died, right? Like, oh. as, as even as an adult, oh right? There was a lot of opportunities. There was investment opportunities. Mm -hmm. There was different opportunities, relationships, all kinds of different things that, mm -hmm. that, I, that I held back on because I just didn't want to feel the rejection. I didn't want to feel the pain of failing or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I took a stance to say, if I ever catch myself being held back because of fear on anything, then therefore I must. And, and you just, you just triggered a, you know, something that I was afraid of heights, right? For many, many years, I was afraid of heights. So what did I do? I went and found the highest place that you could skydive here in Florida. And it was a 15,000 foot dive. 
And, you know, we did, we, and I had a, a phenomenal experience similar to what you said. I had a fear, although I've been scuba diving since I was 11 years old, I had a fear of, you know, encountering sharks. So I went to a place out of the Bahamas, which has a shark dive experience. And mm -hmm. I said, you know what? Because I'm afraid of this, therefore I must. And let me win. go find one of the best shark dive experiences that I can, mm -hmm. you know, here. And, and I did that. And what I found along the way is that you feel, you feel free. You feel invigorated. You feel like, you know, you can overcome you challenges in your life. You yourself and Absolutely. you say you can do it. And it shows you you can do so much more. Yeah. Right? You know how many years of fun and joy I lost because I was afraid to jump with Sarah on any ride. Yep. I would just wait, wait, you know, wait for her and wave my hand and do this because I was frightened. But now I tell her, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she, she's like, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do it with her. So, Manny, just to finalize, finalize this, this, um, this episode with you, what will you recommend right now to a younger person who is listening to your story and probably resonates with you? because he's going through similar situations or went through similar situations or is, is struggling, struggling with all these kind of emotions that there mm -hmm. has been in their life for so long and this, as a baggage, they cannot get rid of it. What, what will be we, your, your, your words for that person that is listening to this right now? Here's what I would, what I would say, right? Um, I grew up in an environment, obviously, where I felt like my dad felt that I was never good enough, mm -hmm. right? And then I realized through life that I was good enough. Of course. You know, and then one of the biggest breakthroughs for me was that I had to go through the pain mm -hmm. of the abuse because I was good enough, because I was strong enough to break those chains so that then my future generation of family members, of kids, right, grandkids and everything, wouldn't, would never have to encounter something like that. And then to me, you know, perception is, is, is everybody's individual reality, mm -hmm. right? Some people like iced coffee. Some people want hot coffee. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to children or kids or teenagers or millennials that are out there right now that are dealing with insecurity, that are dealing with fear, that are rejection. dealing with rejection, that are feeling with whatever is number one is you got to remove the noise. You got to stop worrying about what other people think about you. Of course. And you just got to focus on yourself. Get, again, clear on where you are, where you want to be, and then come up with a great plan as to how you're going to get there. If it's coaching, if it's mentors, if it's developing yourself, is it books, is it CDs, is it webinars, whatever it is, and stop listening to all of the naysayers. Stop, stop listening to all the haters. And sometimes yeah. our parents, sometimes our parents yeah. could be the worst haters yes. ever because they can criticize and they can critique you for every little thing, right? And what you, what you should look for and the type of people that you should surround yourself with are people that are going to give you tough love when it's needed, mm -hmm. right? In a respectful mm -hmm. fashion, mm -hmm. that can call you out when you need to be called mm -hmm. out, right? And then at the same time, give you a path. If, if all you have is somebody in your life that just calls you out for all the bad that you do, but never give you a path on how to improve and how to get to the next level, That's then you probably, you probably need to seek guidance and somebody else is going to be able to give you both perspectives. And the other thing I would say is don't worry about taking advice from people that are worse off than you. A lot of the times I grew up taking advice from people that were horrendous in relationships trying to give me relationship advice, right? That was a bad mistake. <laughs> <laughs> or I had people that were trying to tell me how to manage money when they were broke, mm -hmm. right? So make sure that you're taking advice from people that have tried and tested outcomes in their life. Mm -hmm. 
that have the results that you want, then you go after that. Earlier, I told you I have about five or six people that I go to. Mm -hmm. Some people are phenomenal in business. Some people are amazing at health. Some people are incredible at finances. And I go to each one of those people seeking the answers that I'm looking for if there's something in my life that I think that needs to be fixed. So remove the noise, be true to yourself, love yourself. You have to love yourself. And you said something earlier too, forgive yourself. I had to forgive myself after a few years mm -hmm. for thinking the way that I thought about my dad. I had to forgive myself for trying to kill myself. Like really, truly, like I had to sit down on my knees and forgive myself, you yeah, know? Because forgiveness has started within, you know, if you don't yes. forgive yourself first, you can't forgive That's somebody right. else. That's right. So if, you, you need... if you can't love yourself, you'll never be able to love somebody oh. else. If you can't forgive yourself, you're never going to be able to forgive no. somebody else. You got to start from within 100%. If you don't give to yourself, you're not able to give somebody right. else. So when people doesn't give, just forgiving is because they have never given to themselves. That's right something yeah they feel they feel like they're cheating themselves in some way shape yeah. or form that's right yeah that's, absolutely that's, that's everything is start within mm -hmm. everything compassion love you know and and this is this is this is an amazing talk um and i love this conversation and i would love to have you back here we'll do. Manny, and let's do another linkedin local orlando let's do it i'm in yeah absolutely <laughs> when will you think it will be the best time uh probably because of timing February, March, something like that, to do it yeah. the right way. Yeah. To do it the way that we did the last time. Need a couple months, two let's months, two months let's, or so to let's prepare. Let's do another LinkedIn local. Our yeah. LinkedIn local was amazing. It was, it was really good. You did you a know, great job. You did a good thank job. You, thank you. We do all yeah. did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex did a good job. Alex, Alex did a good job. Good job, Alex, buddy. Alex. <laughs> we love Alex. <laughs> well, guys, this is it. Um, this is um, today episode on, on Be Busy, Be an Awesome podcast. You know that this podcast is not for um, for celebrities. This podcast is for people just like you, like me, like Manny, you know, who wants to share with you our experience on life and help you go through anything that you are going through right now. If you need help, if you feel that you are struggling emotionally for something that you've been carrying on for your life because somebody makes you feel that way, seek help. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be tons of people around you that are willing to help you. You are not alone. We love you. Have a nice day. Yes, we do.